Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to Right Lane, a podcast of the Tampa Bay Times. Each week, Times reporter Lane DeGregory discusses your stories and answers your questions. The focus is on craft. My name is Maria Carrillo, and I'm the Enterprise Editor at The Times. This episode of Right Lane is sponsored by the Scripps Howard Awards. The Scripps Howard Foundation and Right Lane are collaborating to spotlight some of the best journalism of 2019. Award finalists will be named February 25th, and winners will be announced March 3rd. The award show will be in April 16th in Cincinnati. In the weeks ahead, we'll talk with some of the Scripps winners on this podcast. Today's guest is our boss, Tampa Bay Times editor Mark Katchis. We're not just sucking up. We really thought it would be interesting to talk to Mark about life in the industry and what we're facing now and in the near future. And every now and then, we all, we all, we all need to stop and take stock and remind ourselves why we keep doing this, even amid difficult challenges. So the topic, inside the newsroom, which also happens to be the name of your column. So you want to talk a little bit about the evolution of that, why you write it? Well, first of all, sucking up. What do you mean? I <laughs> took 18 months for me to get an invitation to this podcast. Yeah, so we were not good at that anyway, I guess. <laughs> we were That's waiting until we here, knew what we were doing. Yeah. It's good to be here. Um, so the column, which, you know, it's funny you ask because it's been a couple months since I actually wrote one. I, I, I was falling down on the job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've tried to write it uh, at least a couple times a month. Over the last couple months have been a little hectic, but um, the idea behind it is to give people sort of put them on a window seat into our world, right? To get a sense of uh, how we work and what we uh, face and uh, doing our jobs and uh, how it all comes together. Uh, I think we've had this conversation privately before, but you know, journalists have never been the best uh, marketers uh, for their own work. Uh, In some respects, we always felt, the work would stand for itself and in a lot of ways it does, but there's so much more that we need to be able to do to communicate to our audience, our value. And this is a little bit of an opportunity to do that too. So, so you've explained the story behind stories. You've explained why we've made decisions like, like, you know, why we get rid of a crossword puzzle and how much it costs and all that kind of thing. Um, And the reaction has been, Good. I mean, people are at least they're connecting with you, right? Uh, More than you want. Especially when I write about crossword puzzles. (laughs) Uh, And when I when I when we when we took away uh, a couple of crossword puzzles, let's back up. We're probably the only newspaper in America that was running three traditional crossword puzzles every single day, right? Um, And two full pages of 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 comics uh, in the newspaper every day. Uh, we went down to a page of comics uh, a couple months ago, uh, went from three traditional crossword puzzles down to one, still a bunch of other puzzles and games to exercise your mind, but we went down to one traditional crossword puzzle and it didn't sit well with, 
a certain segment of readers. So I heard from a lot of them. I got probably 2,000 2, emails uh, directly into my inbox uh, over the course of a couple of weeks. Didn't respond to every single one of them. I had kind of a rule if that, you know, if you're, uh, you know, seem somewhat respectful and uh, collegial and want to have a conversation, uh, I'm, I will always respond. Um, if you come at me like, I hope you burn in hell and, you know, you should lose your job, send you back to Portland. Uh, I, I might not respond, um, uh, but uh, it's a good way to engage with readers, and I actually enjoy the interaction. And oftentimes, uh, when you uh, write back readers, you've probably all experienced this. They don't expect it. Um, uh, oftentimes, uh, I got thanked from people who just felt like I, th they were going to get, if anything, a form letter response um, but I often responded in depth, uh, to people and, uh, you know, you can win readers over just by engaging with them. So, uh, I think it's important. Why, why did you decide to take that on yourself instead of delegating it to somebody else? The comics part yeah. or, oh, like okay. wanting to hear, cause you knew there was going to be a yeah. lot of like blowback. Um, uh, you know, everybody's so busy. Still like a, everybody's <laughs> so busy. Uh, honestly, um, I felt like, you know, it was my decision. Uh, honestly, uh, I felt like uh, the buck stopped with me uh, in making it. So I should be the one to have to answer the emails. And, and frankly, it's also good just for me to hear back from readers about, you know, how we make our decisions and what they think about things. Um, and honestly, uh, we made adjustments too. So, you know, when readers hear back from us and then see that we'll actually listen to some of their feedback, I think uh, it goes a long way. So we actually did restore one of the crossword puzzles. We now have two every day at least, uh, more on Fridays and more on Sundays. But um, I, I think that's good just for me to connect with readers. I, I, you know, one of the things I, I've always loved working in local journalism um, I've had opportunities to work in national outlets. I always chose uh, local because I do think that you have a real opportunity to connect with an audience and uh, get to know your community and feel that connection. And I think uh, that's uh, it, it comes with the territory to be able to interact over email or answer phone calls or, or email. So. So we all, not to, not to date us, but all of us grew up in this business at a certain time when um, we didn't really have a lot of interaction with readers. I mean, they might call and complain about a story, but we didn't really try to demystify, you know, what went on in a newsroom. And I know in talking to um, millennial journalists, they'll tell you, you know, hey, that's a mistake. And it, it, you know, that we should have been doing that all along. We should have been trying to engage readers and having them understand the choices we make and what we do and what goes into it. Um, so that's, I don't know, it's been a hard evolution for me. Does it feel like a hard evolution for you guys? I mean, to be like, okay, we got to do more of this. So you can't just do your work. You got to explain your work and talk about your work. And I like it much better when Mark does it though. I think it's much more natural to have him come in and explain what we're doing than me to say, Hey, look what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Like the story you did with Dirk who set up the lights for the lightning game, our photographer, right, yeah. he could never have written that himself without seeming like, look, I'm a super genius, you know, but you going to be with him for the day really showed readers like, Oh my gosh, look what goes into this. That was a lot of know? fun too. Mm -hmm. And it is fun when I get a chance to hang out with you guys and see you in your element, right? Um, 
But I also think, you know, a couple of opportunities that we've had uh, with the column is to explain sort of the, the cost involved in what we do. I mean, we've pointed out how much it costs to do uh, our amazing all children's investigation. Uh, I think we might even put a dollar figure on the Scientology project that we did. Um, I think it's important for readers to recognize that this is uh, difficult, uh, labor-intensive, and expensive work that we do. Um, Producing a newspaper is an expensive proposition. Um, You know, it's always been expensive when you think about it, but um, uh, it's become more relevant to us today, the expense, because we don't have the same uh, number of subscribers or advertisers that we once did who were absolutely subsidizing beyond uh, uh, subsidizing uh, what, what the work that we did and do. Uh, I've said this recently. Uh, we, we have a circulation territory that is larger than the state of Delaware and Rhode Island combined, right? Every day we're delivering newspapers across a, ter- a territory that's uh, the size of two states. Um, and so there's so many challenges into what we do, and it's not a, a cheap proposition. So letting people know that it's expensive to do this work, I think, um, also helps sharpen the focus on the value of the work. So talk a little bit about life here in Florida at the times compared to you've worked in California, you worked in Oregon, you worked in Wisconsin, right? You've been around. Um, how's yeah, it? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's different? What's the same? We got mm-hmm. iguanas falling out of the sky I here. It's like, here. The, it's crazy. Uh, it's Florida. The apocalypse. Um, it's very cold here today. It in is Florida. so we're, cold. We're just having such a hard day. It's thank goodness. I held on to a degrees. couple of sweaters. Um, <laughs> Well, I will say, look, and I've said this too, uh, I've even told our readers this, uh, I've worked at um, large chains, um, small chains uh, in journalism. Um, It it is so refreshing to work in a news organization where you're totally independent. You get to control your own destiny, make decisions about what you do, how you do it. Uh, We don't have to worry about uh, cookie cutter uh, design templates being forced upon us by corporate overlords from thousands of miles away. And that happens everywhere else. So we're really blessed. I, I came here to breathe the same air as the journalists in this news organization, because it is a special, special place. And we do fabulous, fabulous work. Uh, I'm just struck by the enormous talent that we have, uh, in this news organization. Um, and it's on display every single day. Talk a little bit about how you see the future of news and like here. And I mean, I think for a lot of our listeners, they're in places where they might feel fairly lonely or they're, are, they're trying to do really ambitious stuff in a place that where there might not be a lot of room for that. Um, they question, I mean, we have a lot of questions from people who wonder whether, why they're still in journalism. <laughs> like, you know, should um, I ride this out? <laughs> should I ride this out? Yeah. Do you, where, what do you see when you look yeah. into that crystal ball? Well, uh, I will just say that the people that are in the newsroom today and in most newsrooms across the country view this as a calling, uh, that this is all they've ever wanted to do was tell stories and or right wrongs, find 
uh, stories uh, uncover hidden truths. Um, and I think that there uh, is going to continue to be a tremendous demand for great storytelling. Uh, and, you know, uh, we have the benefit of having amazing storytellers in our midst to be able to uh, uh, tell Tampa Bay story. Um, the business is in a tremendous period of disruption. We saw that McClatchy is uh, having trouble making debt payments and pension payments. They just transferred all their print operations at the Miami Herald yeah. to another uh, news organization. Um, Tribune is doing buyouts uh, across the company uh, and has a hedge fund buying a, or owning a larger share of that company, which is going to shape dynamics for them going forward. Uh, the chief executive of another large chain uh, just uh, uh, quit, uh, announced his retirement. Uh, uh, there's a lot of disruption going on in the industry. Connect and Gatehouse. And you know, the, the merger. Yeah. Oh, there's, and that represents about almost two dozen newspapers in the state of Florida that are owned by that combined chain. So um, I think, you know, and you're starting to see some news organizations um, shed circulation days, home delivery days. Um, Miami Herald is doing that. The McClatchy papers are doing that. Uh, some others are, are experimenting with it. Um, you know, so it is a very, very disruptive time. But again, there is this still craving uh, from readers to uh, to hear truths and facts and get uh, great, important local journalism. So um, we are very fortunate in that, you know, we still publish. We did just this past weekend over 250,000 Sunday newspapers, right? That makes us one of the largest uh, print circulation newspapers in America, Um and, uh, you know, we have the largest newsroom in the state of Florida. So we have a lot of things going for us uh, in our favor that um, help, but we are not immune to the challenges in this business. And one of them is like all of our, a lot of our subscribers, our print subscribers are older, <laughs> given that it's Florida, um, and retirees who grew up reading a newspaper. And obviously one of our challenges is connecting with that digital audience and trying to get people to to come find us there, right? Well, Sunday paper still sold out of my Walgreens, so there's that. No, I mean, I, the Sunday paper, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, <clears throat> still really, like you said, I mean, we still have, that's an amazing number given given what's happening around the country, but right. um, but it's but definitely to, a, a, a transition. Yeah, and to that point, I mean, you, you, you hit on it. Uh, we have uh, a very loyal print audience, uh, that couldn't be more different than our digital audience, right? There's a generational divide between our digital reader and our print reader. Basically what I'm saying is there's not a lot of overlap between our uh, Tampa Bay.com readers and our Tampa Bay Times readers. Uh, they're distinct audiences uh, with vastly different uh, interests. And we have the challenge of trying to serve both those audiences the best we can. It's not easy. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, especially with the shrinking newsroom. I mean, I, I feel like I've been here 20 years this year and we're about a third of what we were. Mm-hmm. How do you think, I've seen how it's impacted already, but as we go forward, how is that going to impact what we cover or how we cover things? We're still, I think, for an independent paper, putting an enormous amount of resources into result-oriented journalism, writing wrongs and doing long-term investigations and, and narratives as well. How do you think the, those shifting resources are going to change our coverage? Well, I think that those types of signature uh, projects that you've just described, Lane, are, are things that we absolutely must continue to do. They're huge differentiators for us to be able to have the largest investigative team in the state of Florida and a great team of narrative journalists writing terrific enterprise stories. These are critical to our success because no one else is going to even try to do these stories in our in our area, especially. Um, but... I do think we have to make some tough decisions about what we can let go of and how we focus our efforts because it does become more challenging, obviously, with fewer resources. Now, to that end, we still have the largest, as I said, largest newsroom in the state. So we have some benefit there uh, in terms of our ability to uh, mobilize and do the kinds of things we need to do to serve our audiences. But but it is more challenging, obviously, uh, with fewer people. Um, that said, uh, again, with the immense talent that we've got, um, I think that we can find the right formula. I think we're all adjusting. I mean, here, like probably in a lot of places to that lack of, what, what was it at one point here, 400 people in the newsroom or something like that, where you probably had this the luxury of time and manpower that and we covered every meeting there was yeah. across the whole readership area. You know, every little town had a reporter and a beat on them. I do think it sort of sets us free in a little bit in, in, in a way, like you said, like we used to have to do all these things. We felt compelled to do things now that we can let go of, or we've let go of because we just don't have enough people to do. Um, and we and also used to back dispatch then. to a lot of national events too, right. which I feel like we don't have the, Right. Or why do that anymore? Really? And, 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 and we now have uh, some value. Now, look, data is uh, important. It's a powerful tool to be able to use data to uh, look at what uh, people are reading and uh, to get a sense of how that might um, uh, direct uh, some behavior. Uh, you know, we, we make our decisions ultimately based on what we think are the right things to do journalistically. But um, back when we had newsrooms of 400 people, and I'm not just talking here, but every newsroom in America, major metro had newsrooms that size, they didn't have the same level of data to be able to determine whether people actually cared about the things that a lot of us were writing about. So I think now we have uh, to use data more, um, uh, a little bit more strategically uh, to uh, help get a better sense of uh, whether the work that we do is resonating with either our digital or our print audiences. Can you talk a little bit about um, collaborations with other news organizations and partnerships? Because, um, yeah, again, we all came up in a time where it was more cutthroat. We were, you know, we would never consider the mm. kinds of things that we're doing now. But because all of the, you know, especially regional papers, regional newsrooms have gotten so small, um, we trying to make the most of everybody's 
uh, staffing levels. So you could talk a little bit about the climate change yeah. in, initiative and then other other thoughts about sort of is that a way forward? How does that help uh, absolutely. us? Absolutely. I got to tell you that, uh, look, and you're absolutely right, Maria, uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, we would have uh, been so competitive and cutthroat and felt like we we would never want to collaborate. Although, you know, the Times with the Herald uh, was one of the very first uh, uh, newsroom collaborations when we teamed up over a decade ago to cover uh, Tallahassee together. So in many respects, the Times, uh, along with the Herald, were uh, pioneers in the, that collaborative space amongst for-profit news organizations. Nonprofits have been doing a lot of collaboration. And when I was at the Center for Investigative Reporting, we were doing a ton of collaboration like that and creating these types of partnerships. So what it boils down to is this, though. When you're in a job like mine, uh, we have to be far more pragmatic in our thinking uh, about how we get things done, right? We don't have 400 people anymore. So uh, if we want to serve those two uh, very distinct audiences that we've got, how are we going to best do that with the limitations on staffing that we have today? Well, partnerships is certainly the way to go, uh, a clear way to go. Um, and uh, we found it to be very, very fruitful. It was about a well, it was almost a year ago that uh, we uh, connected myself and Mindy Marquez, the editor publisher of the Miami Herald, Julie Anderson, who is uh, the editor of both the Orlando Sentinel and the South Florida Sun Sentinel, uh, started talking about uh, a, a broad partnership in the state of Florida to cover climate change. And that led to the Florida Climate Reporting Network, which is now 18 news organizations. Of those 18 news organizations, about 10 of them are uh, required as part of the partnership to contribute two stories a month, right? Well, this is amazing when you think about it, okay? The math makes perfect sense mm -hmm. from my perspective and from our reader's perspective. We put in two stories a month. Those other partners put in two stories a month. We're withdrawing 20 stories from the bank. I like that interest rate, <laughs> right? So... We're able to now, now we don't run every single story, but that gives us an opportunity to share up to 20 stories on climate change in a state that is ground zero for climate change with the readers in the Tampa Bay area, right? So the big winner of this is not just the Tampa Bay Times newsroom and the other 18 or 17 partners, it's the reader, uh, it's the viewer, it's the listener of all of our work that gets the benefit of, of this combined effort. And we don't stumble over each other anymore. Honestly, there was a day that we probably thought people are reading the Miami Herald and the Tampa Bay Times. Come on, right? <laughs> Nobody's doing that. You know, typically the, 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 the typical reader has a local news outlet, a local television station, a national news outlet, maybe a cable television station. If that many, uh, uh, outlets where they'll get uh, a lot of their news, right? And some are just finding online sources. Nobody's reading 20 newspapers in the state of Florida, right? So it's okay for us to collaborate even with um, nearby partners. Uh, the Bradenton Papers, part of the uh, partnership. The Sarasota Papers, part of the partnership. Uh, uh, the local 
uh, public radio station as part of the partnership. So, and we're now about to launch, uh, I can't say specifically because it hasn't been announced yet, a partnership with a local television station that will Coming be soon. very exciting. We should be announcing that in the next couple of weeks. Again, this is an opportunity to maximize our ability to cover news and reach our uh, broader audiences. So let's let's end the podcast on an up note about you know because we've been depressing. Is this well, all been no, depressing? No, no, no. I mean, like on a you know, um, <laughs> I, we do talk a lot about in journalism about all the challenges, right? And and we spend a lot of time focused on on all of our injuries <laughs> instead of like. Um, I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking the three of us are here because we love what we do and we love working here and, and it's, and it is a great experience. And so we've, you have to, you, you, you've come in and had to make hard choices, but um, you know, why do you stay in this business? Oh man. Well, uh, that's a long answer. <laughs> can, can I give you a, a, a med- medium range answer or are we medium, over Give over us time? the medium range answer. Okay. Go ahead. We can have you back. Well, <laughs> you know, look, I, I, this is all I've ever wanted to do. I mean, I've tried the other jobs I did. I was a, I, I was a short order cook for, for two days and then quit, you know, because I was terrible at it. I, I was going to say, I hadn't heard that story, but I, I guess sold, I know why. I, know. I sold uh, vacuum cleaners door to door as a door to door salesman. Awesome. Um, didn't get out of the training program. Okay. <laughs> well, my mom wouldn't even buy a vacuum cleaner from me. That's when I knew. It's like, okay, <laughs> you're not cut out for this. But I always loved writing. I always loved reporting. I finding things out. And uh, so this is this has been my uh, my passion, and I I, I love doing it. Uh, I stay in st- stay in it because there's still great stories to tell, you know. And in your darkest moments, you always think about the next story you're about to tell, right? Yep. And I got to tell you, you know, I mean, the in this business, there's still way more good days than there are bad days. And uh, anytime there is a bad day, I'm still always thinking about the next great story to tell. See, that's a good way to end it. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, Mark. Sure. All right. Mark. If you have a question for Mark or Lane, um, please email it to writelane at tampabay.com. That's W-R-I-T-E-L-A-N-E at tampabay.com. Join us next week on Wednesday morning for the next podcast. This podcast was produced by Allison Graves. Music was composed and performed by Dan DeGregory. Thanks for listening. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.